Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lakers season is over. We kind of sat here and predicted it after game five. We said it wasn't trending in a positive direction. And JC, it felt like the writing was on the wall. Another really disappointing uh, game for the Lakers here as their season comes to an end. Got me stumbling over my own words because it's still hard to process. I know a lot of Lakers fans are sort of collectively shrugging their shoulders right now and saying, you know, it's, it's been a long year, the year that, that never ended, dating back to last year. What's your take on this and where the Lakers are, finding themselves at the, at the butt end of the series, LeBron's first first-round exit of his career, and their season concluding in a 113-100 loss inside the Staples Center following Game 6 this evening? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's rough to see. I was, was hoping he'd go his whole career without have, having ever lost in the first round. Yeah, this this entire year the last two combined seasons have been been rough because because of the short off season uh you look at the last four teams who were in, who made the the finals and the conference finals last season they're all eliminated one of them didn't even make the playoffs and yeah that fatigue is is a real factor i mean there's absolutely no doubt right that fatigue is a factor because not only the short off season but because of all of the change that has been uh, this roster has been subjected to and all the different starting lineups and all of the different rotations. And unfortunately, the Lakers were hit very hard by the injury bug in terms of it affecting their two most prominent players. And, you know, at one point I saw a tweet during this game, JC, that said, you know, Lakers stars couldn't get over lingering injuries, the end. And that pretty much is the summary of the season because LeBron was playing at an entirely different level prior to his ankle injury. Anthony Davis was playing very well prior to his injury. And then now in the playoffs, AD had been playing exceptionally well in games two and three prior to sustaining the groin injury. And you just saw it tonight. I mean, he could not move out there. I admire the guy for giving it a go. But that's the thing with groin injuries, especially when you're that long and lanky. It is just so hard to play through that with any kind of sustainability and any kind of effectiveness. And obviously, that's why he was so limited. Look, the Phoenix Suns deserve credit, JC. They did not. The Lakers did not so much lose the series as the Phoenix Suns won it. And that's not me letting the Lakers off the hook, but that's the reality of the situation. Devin Booker was hotter than the surface of the white sun with 47 points in 46 minutes, 15 of 22 from the floor, including 8 of 10 from the three-point line. I mean, the guy literally could miss. The Suns deserve, they're deep, they're balanced, they're a very good team. There's a reason they finished in second. So, you know, it's sort of weird that we sit here on one hand and say, well, the seventh-seeded Lakers were upset by the second-seeded Suns, 
But that's certainly the reality in terms of how everybody expected this to go. It was nice to see Dennis Schroeder. It was nice to see Contavious Caldwell-Pope actually show up in a game that mattered at least after the first quarter because the entire Lakers team was asleep in that first quarter. But it was too little too late. And Marcus Gasol entering the starting lineup was an, a move that was overdue. But everything Frank Vogel tried simply wasn't working. And the Lakers could not find their rhythm, especially without Anthony Davis available to them. Yeah, just Phoenix is too hot from three. There's just too. There's nothing really you can do when Devin Booker's going to make six threes in the first quarter. Even even if um, you know at times I felt like you know they were kind of in in that first quarter, but only for a couple of minutes. And then as soon as AD went out, you just felt the the gas let out of the building. Much like we saw in the pre in in some of the previous action of this series. The Lakers made a run, but then just sort of fell flat, okay? It it was just like we saw with the second quarter of Game 5, in which the Suns absolutely blew the doors off of the Lakers, and that's what got them that 30-point lead that they ultimately won by. Tonight, JC, it was the first quarter where the Lakers could just could not get anything going offensively. They wound up being down by 22 after the first quarter, 36 to just 14 in the first quarter for the Lakers. And the Lakers outplayed or played even with the Suns in every other quarter of this game. But unfortunately, it just didn't matter. And there was so much wrong with the offense. There continues to be a, a critical point of concern when it comes to moving forward with this group. But in the current JC, I just felt like this team, again, failed to show up in a game that literally defined their season. I feel like they failed to show up in their biggest moment. And that's really disappointing. From the human element, I know that they're tired. I know that it's been a long season. I completely understand the utter exhaustion. But it feels a little disappointing to me that the Lakers weren't able to muster more from the immediate tip of this game because that's really when they had to come out and set the tone. Yeah, there's there's you know plenty of disappointment to go around in the roster. So many players had great moments in the regular season. Dennis Schroeder played better in this game, but last season, whatever contract he's hoping to play for this season, I feel like he played himself out of it last game. Oh my uh, go- oh my goodness! I mean, if he was really offered more than twenty million dollars a season from the Lakers and he didn't take it, I-, I don't think any team is going to give him that annual salary. Not even on a one-year deal right now. Yeah, yeah, and and play like players who are pretty much out of excuses at this point like despite the the, the good moments they had in the regular season Cal Kuzma is a frequent topic on on this show uh, he didn't have a very good playoff series and yeah I mean the time has come for him to in limited minutes he's just got to do more uh Taylor Horton Tucker I think is still young so I think he still gets kind of a pass um but that window is closing for him to get a pass and yeah just other players like that Well, I'm glad you brought up Kyle Kuzma, JC, because of course you know that's one direction that I was going to want to go in. I'm the guy that always brings him up on the show because I'm the guy that really likes to hammer over him. In the series against Phoenix, JC, he just wasn't a factor. His two quote-unquote best games, and that's just in terms of scoring the basketball, were both in losses, game four and game five, in which the, the fate had sort of already been decided by the time he had continued to put up his statistics in the games that mattered, J.C. was nowhere to be found. He did not make his impact felt. He fell into the Andre Drummond category in terms of just being out there to sort of be out there. When the Lakers were making several of their runs 
in tonight's game to try to get back into this, to try to muster something. Kuzma was not a part of it, and for the majority of that, he was completely off the floor. I don't know what Kyle Kuzma is as a player still, and for me, for a guy who's now had some consistency in terms of his career, who's expected to be sort of more or less you know, established in his role but still evolving, I just see this sort of plateau happening instead. And it makes me wonder if we've already seen the best of what Kyle Kuzma is going to be. And unfortunately, I tend to lean more into the yes than no camp in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, I I was more in that no for, I think, a little bit longer than most people. But at this point... um, it's it's a more it's a more famous quote more attributed to players like Andrew Wiggins where it's like once a player shows you who he is in the third or fourth year of his career that's pretty much who he's going to be and and yeah it's as there's a lot of potential and there's a lot of upside in Kyle Kuzma but it, if he, if he hasn't found it yet he might have just hit it already a lot of people are going to sit here and say that we've buried the lead by really not hammering home the point of LeBron losing in the first round for the first time in his career JC I just feel like a couple things. Honestly, one of the reasons that I, I chose to leave NBA media on a full-time basis is because, at least for me, you get tired of the lowest-hanging fruit always being the narrative that drives forward in terms of clicks, in terms of shock value, or in terms of you know what some people like to call yellow journalism. I understand it's the first time LeBron lost in the first time of his career, or in the first round of his career. That's all fine and good. This was about way more than LeBron. So, of course, that's going to be part of the story, but it shouldn't be the story. That said, Mark Stein tweeted shortly after the game, JC, and you and I were just talking about this prior to getting going on this episode of the Hoopball Lakers show. And we sat here and said, okay, Mark Stein puts out this tweet that says, you know, lots of nuance and caveats and injuries along the way, but this is now LeBron's Laker legend after three seasons in Hollywood. Missed the playoffs, NBA champions, and then lost in the first round of career first. And, you know, you told me that you appreciated what I had to say in in response to him, which was basically that, you know, he was providing contextualized facts in order to create biased opinions that could support both sides of the equation. And I think that's a strength as a writer. But the reality is everybody's going to try to pin this on LeBron in terms of, you know, going after the guy with the biggest target on his back. To me, this was about so much more than LeBron. To any educated Lakers fan, any educated basketball fan, you know it's about far more than LeBron, J.C., I do wonder how they will continue to reshape the roster around LeBron, given what we saw. But again, he was not the same player after that ankle injury. I'm confident he'll continue to produce at a high level moving forward. But the reality is, if this team is not going to be in regression, then it is going to have to improve the supporting parts around LeBron and, of course, Anthony Davis. Yeah, I mean, I I like what they did last year, making him you know, the de facto full-time point guard and him leading the league in assists. Like that's, I, you know, Dennis Schroeder was a nice addition and it was a nice idea. Um, but I think a, a stronger defensive point guard like an Alex Caruso type or somebody like that would have been a better choice to just let LeBron be the playmaker. Do you think the Lakers are more likely this offseason? And this is just sort of a, a theoretical question at this point. But do you think the Lakers are more likely this offseason to be linked to some bigger names, whether it's in free agency or as potential trade targets, or do you think they're going to see them more linked to sort of the path that they chose to take this offseason, whether it's a salary exception, minimum level deal, and try to build out the roster that way? Uh, I feel like they're going to get some, go after some some veteran experience. Uh, and so, you know, 
the season having just ended minutes ago, like there's like quick scenarios off the top of my head that are possible sign and trade Toronto to the Lakers, the deal that almost happened on in the off season, you know, Kyle Lowry versus for, for Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Lowry could leave the Raptors with nothing or, you know, they could do a sign and trade for Dennis Schroeder and the money might be kind of similar. That deal almost happened even though Schroeder didn't have a very good playoff playoff run, he's still going to be better than leaving the Raptors with nothing. So I think that's a possibility. Uh, it came out today that Chris Paul is probably going to decline his $44 million final year of his contract, which a lot of people didn't think he would, but it does make sense. As, as well as he's played, he's played himself into another $100 million contract, which means he's not going to be a $44 million a year player. He can be a four-year 20 to 25 million dollar player a year and that's super affordable if the lakers were possibly going to give dennis schroeder 24 million a year why not give it to chris paul it's such an interesting idea because i can't say that i didn't think about that during the series jc but i want to go back to what you said because i am one of those people who is still surprised i mean i understand a long-term play for chris paul don't get me wrong but i am surprised to learn that he's likely to decline 44.4 million dollars or 44 million dollars excuse me in his player option that's a lot of money, JC. Chris Paul is 36 years old. He just turned 36. You really think there's $100 million on the table for him somewhere still? I mean, as somebody somebody did look at it like he, he went to Houston, barring an injury, they almost beat the Warriors. Went to OKC, completely turned, turned that team around as soon as he left there in the toilet. Um, completely vaulted Phoenix. So, I mean, yeah, I think there's an owner who'd be willing to to pay for what Chris Paul has done for three other teams. Mm. it's such an interesting way to look at it i mean I, i'm skeptical that he gets that much money i could see maybe 85 90 million over three years as, as a ceiling i don't know that i don't know that i get to a, to 100 million because also four years for chris paul i mean you're gonna pay chris paul till he's 40 but anyway i get i i, I guess i understand it from that perspective the long-term play more total guaranteed money but still man 44.4 million i'd have a hard time turning that down for one year but let's not get fixated there because it's a show about the lakers Chris Paul played through his shoulder injury, JC, against the Lakers. And, you know, although he clearly was limited, he was effective enough, in particular in the last couple of games. Actually, had double-digit assists in this game. Still didn't shoot the ball well, but, again, with Devin Booker shooting the lights out, Jay Crowder going out of control from the three-point line, it really didn't matter. The two of them, by the way, Crowder and Booker, JC, a combined 14 of 19 from behind the three-point line. Suns 18 of 35 overall from the three-point line. Lakers just 10 of 35 and just 38 of 91 from the field. I mean, the Lakers' offense was really stagnant. That was a theme at times throughout the season, JC. Effort was also a theme too often throughout the season, JC. And these are two things that really came back to haunt the Lakers in this series. I thought it was poor execution offensively. I thought the effort was laughable at, at a lot of times, especially in the last two games. Again, knowing the guys are tired, knowing the guys are you know not playing at 100%. But I just don't excuse that for effort. I don't care if you got 50%. Give me 100% of your 50%. Don't give me 50% of your 50% because you're only operating at 25% when you do it like that. So for me, you've got to give me everything you got. And I didn't feel like that was happening with some of these guys on this Lakers team. Andre Drummond, DNPCD for the Lakers tonight. The only guy in uniform who did not get out on the court. Unfortunately, JC, he was just not effective in this series. And in fact, this was the one game, now granted, again, Booker went absolutely crazy, but this is the one game that DeAndre Ayton really wasn't a factor in any sort of way. And I have to wonder if the Lakers are going to consider 
really reshaping their team in terms of the interior defense next year because they have a clear need for a presence inside, but I think they have the clearest need for more spacing out there on the court. Yeah, I mean, there's there's things they can look at. Um, I mean, I, I even think back at like the th- some of the things that we talked about wanting in, in the offseason at the beginning of this season. Like, you I were still re- want Jay Crowder. Yeah, you were really high on Jay Crowder. I, I wanted a guy like Nerlens Noel. Nerlens Noel had a really good defensive year for the Knicks as as a rim protector. Um, that sort that sort of thing is probably who the Lakers maybe should should go after. Like Wesley Matthews is a good piece, you know, in theory as as a three and D defender, and he actually in the playoffs did pretty well. And so like he's somebody I wouldn't mind seeing come back, but. Yeah, I mean, they, they need to rethink, I think, the philosophy of how they're going to build out this team and, and put players around LeBron and AD. Gut instinct, JC. Dennis Schroeder stays or goes? Uh, I don't think he's back next season. Contavious Caldwell-Pope still under contract. Do you think he stays or goes? Um, he'll probably come back. Mark Keith Morris, a free agent once again, said he wants to retire with the Lakers. Can't imagine him necessarily taking the minimum unless nothing is available to him otherwise. I'm a Markeith Morris fan, and I think he'd be a good fit for this team. So in theory, I would like to see him return. I wouldn't mind seeing Markeith Morris come back on a two-year, $8 million deal or something comparable to that, but there may be more money for him out there. But maybe not. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm projecting a little too much for him. I think Markeith Morris stays, JC. Yeah, I think he stays. I think, if, I think if it's the end of Jared Dudley's career, sort of the end of the bench veteran uh, Udonis Haslam type, although who would probably play more minutes than UD. Yeah, I could see Keith fitting into that role. I think Jared Dudley's ready to retire. I don't want to speak for him, but he certainly certainly was trending in that direction. Uh, Alfonso McKinney stays or goes? Um, probably goes. Kyle Kuzma, JC. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what kind of trade packages. I think. Well, uh, I, I mean, I, I sort of, I mean, of course, we, that's, that's always what it comes down to. I was, yeah. texting with, I was texting with my principal and my good friend this evening, and he said, you got to trade Kuzma. And I said, for what? Edmonics, a washing machine? Like, you know, free translations uh, from the Xerox service? What exactly can, can the Lakers get for Kyle Kuzma at this point? Even though they did sign him to what feels like still a favorable contract extension, I just don't exactly know what he's worth to another team and what the Lakers could realistically get in return. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be some kind of a package. It's not going to be him by himself. I think it'd be him and, and Schroeder in some kind of a package. What was that old Knicks joke, like Schumpert Brooks and a pick or something like that, that they were trying to offer to the entire league, right? I feel like yeah. the Lakers are soon going to be jumped into that category with Kuzma, Schroeder, and a pick or Sh- you know, KCP, Kuzma, a pick, whatever iteration it winds up taking. But we'll see how it shakes out. Anthony Davis got to get healthy this offseason. It felt like after he returned from the calf strain, JC, he had moments, but he was never the AD that we really come, have come to love in a Lakers uniform. No, yeah, and, and he's, he's someone who I think, like last season he was dealing with a shoulder. That was never really a problem this season. And so I think, I, th- I still think LeBron is going to be a good influence on him on him as far as how to take care of your body. Like after LeBron had his his growing thing his first year in LA, hasn't really been a factor since. Uh, he hasn't really aggravated it or anything in the two years since. And so with yeah with Anthony Davis, it's just got to maintain and hopefully not another thing pops up. So his shoulder was more or less taken care of. Doesn't doesn't seem like the calf was an issue when he came back, although the groin could have been 
a result of him maybe overcompensating, as sometimes happens. But, yeah, I mean, if, if he can get a handle on those things and, and get a handle on his preventative maintenance, then, yeah, it'll, it shouldn't be a worry. Built differently than LeBron, to say the least, but at the same time, I feel like he could probably get it under control, and, I, and I, I'm in agreement with you. I'm not super concerned about his durability going into next season. Of course, it sucks that the last, you know, sort of memorable version we had of AD was him limping to the sidelines in this particular year, but it felt like mentally, JC, the Lakers limped to the sidelines a while ago, if we're being honest, and that's that's the reality I've come to embrace with the late with, with this Lakers team. On the last episode, you know, I was airing my demons, really flexing my my muscles of articulate communication in terms of my frustration with this group in terms of its effort. And, you know, one of the things that I was incredibly vocal about throughout this year, JC, and I know you were as well, was the Lakers either playing up to or down to their level of competition. And again, a reflection of effort. And so for me, it's just, I don't, I don't know exactly what was wrong with this team this particular year. I, I, if I had to perform a litmus test, I feel like it would come back inconclusive. The chemistry clearly wasn't the same, but it goes beyond that. I think they had so many changes. I think they had so many different rotations. I think they never got a cohesiveness because of the schedule, because of the constraints it provided, because of the COVID compliance and all of those sorts of things. But at the same time, you know, a lot of these other teams were facing similar constraints as well. Perhaps not injuries to their two best players. That's always going to knock you off course. But at the, but I feel like the Lakers set a certain bar, and I feel like they didn't necessarily hit that bar in terms of organizational expectations this year. So I hope the Lakers are able to look inward and sort of determine who and what can really be capable of helping this team moving forward because the status quo is never so good that it's worth embracing no matter what. And this Lakers team definitely has areas in which it can improve. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, interior D, perimeter shooting. I think playmaking is also a desired skill. And, and you know, preferably like a wing who could, who could playmake, not name LeBron James. I think that would really be helpful for this team, especially if LeBron does become the pl- uh, primary ball handler again. And I think that is the recipe for success at this stage of LeBron's career, but more importantly for, for the sustainability in terms of the success of this team. Andre Drummond, J.C., I am not necessarily attached, and that's saying it lightly, to the idea of him returning. I have, no. a, I, I have a good friend who, who advocates otherwise, and he says, full offseason in the Lakers program, get, get his body more in shape, more disciplined, et cetera, et cetera, something can happen. I, I don't know. I think Andre Drummond is what he is at this stage of his career. Am, am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. I mean, there's. I think there's something to that in, in a full off season and more time, maybe. But I mean, I still am of the belief of, of I, I, I'm still going to want what I wanted last season. I want, if not exactly like Nerlens Noel, Nerlens Noel type, like JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard were were agile, rim protectors, but they were a little bit slow moving laterally, which did kind of put them out of some series. Nerlens Noel is a little shorter. He can, you know, he can guard people out on the wing a little bit more than they could. And he's a great rim protector. Like that's the kind of player that I want, or even, um, you know, the player, um, blanking on his name now, but the guy, uh, who was, uh, who was on the team for a little bit before uh, Damian Jones. Um, he was great. And I don't see any reason why that wasn't working. Uh, I know Andre Drummond was available and they had to take that gamble, I guess, but, yeah, save some money and go with a young, agile body like that. 
Maybe try to develop Costas Antetokounmpo. Yeah, or even a guy like Devontae Kaycock, right? I mean, that's, that's, to me, the kind of players who can make a difference. I mean, we saw Montrez really marginalized in this series in terms of his ability to match up against certain players. We know the limitations of Montrez even dating back to last, last season before he was ever linked to the Lakers. I mean, that's the reality, and that's why he's not paid a whole bunch of money in terms of his effectiveness as a starting center in this league. I thought Marcus Saul did a much better job than Andre Drummond did in this series, to be honest. I thought the move to Marcus Saul in the starting lineup was overdue. I, I'm curious, you know, I'm not 100% necessarily against the idea of Andre Drummond returning, especially in the context of a maybe, but how much more are you going to give him than the minimum? How much more is any team going to give him than the minimum? I mean, if you're interested in Andre Drummond, are you willing to pay him even $10 million? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Gasol, I'd be interested in, in coming back as 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 the backup center. Well, yeah. he's under he's under contract for next year. Yeah, right. So you have Gasol at least on paper right now, but the question is who's going to play in front of him. I agree, Marcus Gasol is not your ideal starting center. I mean, really, your ideal starting center is, is Anthony Davis, but it doesn't sound like they're ever going to embrace that. And when I say they, I mean both the Lakers and the player in this context. Yeah, I mean it's a weird thing that he's never been able to embrace that cuz I don't I just I don't see the negative connotation in in him being a center like especially nowadays in in kind of positionless basketball like just be the center. <laughs> right. I mean LeBron was out there playing center so it's it's hard it's hard to understand why he why he really doesn't embrace it but so long as that's going to be the case, the Lakers are going to have to sort of work around it for lack of a better way to say it. I I I really hope JC that the Lakers are able to find a player to add this offseason, no matter what else that they do. And I think, again, there are several areas that they're going to have to either upgrade or swap out. I really hope the Lakers are able to find a player like Jay Crowder because I feel like that is the kind of player who is exactly missing from this team. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, there might be some available Bostons, you know, talking about getting getting rid of, uh, like, Marcus Smart. He's probably... Not as great a shooter as Jay Crowder, and he's a little bit smaller, but, I mean, he's a good wing defender, and, yeah, I think there'll be players out there available. Oh, if the Lakers were somehow able to get their hands on Marcus Smart, I mean, that would just be nothing short of incredible. That's a, that's I remember, I remember going back to that draft when the Celtics drafted Marcus Smart just ahead of the Lakers pick. I remember being like, no! And, of course, the Lakers wound up with Julius Randle in that draft, so not so bad after all. That said, you know, I, I think the Lakers are going to have to get creative in terms of how they upgrade this roster because they don't have a ton of flexibility and they're going to have to make a determination with Dennis Schroeder uh, prepared to hit free agency as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I mean, look, I think Dennis Schroeder is going to probably get, you know, a multi-year contract, but is it possible that he takes a, a, a one-year sort of roll of the dice on himself? I, I don't think it's completely, uh, you know, illogical. I think it could benefit both the team and the players. So, you know, if Dennis Schroeder's camp says, hey, Lakers, you know, I'll, I'll come back for one year, $15 million, are you going to bring back Schroeder? For something like that, maybe, yeah. And after this offseason, he's he's probably going to need to have one of those contracts to, to kind of bet on himself, which he sort of did this year, and the bet didn't, didn't pay off, and so he's got to double down. I mean, that's always the gamble, right? And that's why guys are so hesitant to take minimum contracts, because... Once you play for the minimum, you really, and I mean you really, have to outplay that contract in order to earn any another higher salary after that because you sort of just get pegged as one of those guys, unfortunately. 
That said, these guys are still very fortunate because they make more more money than 99.9% of people out there. So, you know, it's nice to be in the 0.01%. As the Lakers move forward, JC, it is going to be a long offseason. And that is a good thing because they need the rest. But there's going to be plenty of time to reflect and sort of think about how they can get better because the Western Conference certainly isn't getting any easier. I could see the Lakers being linked to some bigger names in terms of potential trade targets. I do not think the Lakers currently have the assets of that nature to pull off a deal. That said, if the Lakers are going to go fishing, expect names like Bradley Beal to be linked to them prominently. I would expect even like a Damian Lillard mention or two out of the rafters from somewhere trying to scream it into existence. But I would never put any kind of reality behind that at this time. And so, you know, the Lakers are going to continue to be linked to sort of all of those guys because it benefits everybody's market when the Lakers are involved. That's a JC. I feel like they're going to try to operate more around the margins and sort of fill out this team around LeBron and AD. But they absolutely, and I mean absolutely, have to improve their interior D. They have to improve their shooting. And I really think they need another ball handler on the way. Yeah, and I mean, I've, I'm of the thought, speak, like speaking of playmakers, I've said it before, and, you know, a guy who really loves L.A. and the Lakers franchise in general, I mean, I think DeMar DeRozan is somebody who's a possibility out there. He's not a three-point oh, Great name. I mean, yeah. Had, not a three-point shooter, unfortunately. You're right about that. Yeah, but he had a great season this year with uh, San Antonio. So. He did. So hopefully, you know, the Lakers can pull sort of some magic out of their hat in terms of upgrading their roster in, in the capacities in which they're allowed and their limited flexibility doesn't wind up hurting them in the pursuit of evolution. Of course, a healthy season and a regular offseason from LeBron James and Anthony Davis with extended rest is only going to help not only both of those guys, but this team. But I think as the Lakers and the rest of the league transition back to normal, they're going to be able to put a little bit more pep in their step as they recoup, recover, and before you know it, be here for training camp and the regular season that's to come ahead. For now, JC, we get to enjoy some playoff basketball. So while we'll still be doing shows, we might be doing trading off solos, duets. We're not sure how it goes. So we got to put it on this record as it's the official wrap-up show from the Lakers season anyway. What's your prediction in terms of NBA Finals? Um, I'm going to go a little crazy. I'm going to say uh, Milwaukee and – I'll say Milwaukee and Phoenix. Wow, Phoenix all the way. Okay, I like where your head's at. So for me at this time, I'm going to go with something a little bit crazy, which is uh, Utah going all the way, carrying that true one seed, and then Brooklyn in the finals. But part of my heart kind of wants to see Phoenix and Brooklyn so Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire can take on those oh-so-familiar Phoenix Suns. <laughs> yeah, and, and Mike D'Antoni, of course, as well. How could I forget? JC, this Lakers season has been a roller coaster ride and then some. We appreciate all of our listeners who have come with us along the journey. The shows will continue just because the season has stopped, but we are officially in the books. JC, you got a final grade for this Lakers season, given the beginning, given the middle, and in particular, given the end? Uh, I mean, incomplete feels like a cop-out, but uh, maybe C+. Yeah, I think C-plus is the generous mark. I think C feels a lot more accurate in this scenario. And, you know, the Lakers have to, you know, after an A-plus semester, they bounce it out with a C one. So a B sort of year overall. But if a B year overall includes winning an NBA title, maybe I'm too hard of a grader. You can follow me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Noroff. You can follow JC at JC Deleon one And, of course, our show at Hoopball Lakers. 
Until next time, JC, we out. Later. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.